0: Welcome to the podcast, everybody. First things first, we have we uh, we're going to have a guest next week, Destiny, who is a Twitch streamer, or was a Twitch streamer before he got kicked off, now is on YouTube. Uh, if you have questions and you're familiar with his content, topics you'd like us to talk about, please let me know in the YouTube comments and I can check those out. I'll be sure to bring them into the conversation. But let's get into it. So, a couple of uh, just... Updates, you might not have heard this because I don't know if you were here, but probably a couple months ago, I talked about an investment opportunity that uh, was offered to me. Herbalife, and- <laughs> I remember. <laughs> Herbalife. So I got this it. is my affiliate. <laughs> <laughs> um, the It was a thing that didn't feel right because, long story short, it was an investment opportunity that came to me. Um, through, I am I have like incredi- accredited investor status because I've earned enough money that they will let you enter into early, riskier stage things, which also means you get these weird offers. This particular offer was for a SPAC, um Spepple purpose acquisition thing. It was a company, and they were trying to get their last bit of money. It was at a, I'll, I'm going to make these numbers up. It was at a $100 valuation. And what, the deal was that to get this last bit of money in, of which mine would have been included, it said, you will be allowed to sell at 100 even if it goes down to 50 So if it goes down to $75, we'll buy it back from you at 100 If it goes down to $60, we'll buy it back from you at 100 If it goes down to $50, we will buy it back from you at 100 And the whole play as it was pitched to me is, look, if it goes down, we'll just sell immediately and we'll stay even. If it goes up, we'll sell and we'll make money. So it's like a very short-term play to um abuse the system. <laughs> I love that. Um, questions because I don't and, understand. Well, this is what I, and, and so for me I don't I I say the words abuse the system, but they incentive structures that I don't know entirely were such that they offered us a better deal than they'd offered to other people. You know what I mean? Because they were trying to do something. So here's what happened. Uh again, making up the rough numbers. I looked back at it. It initially went up around 50% within the time frame that my investment and the people that I know would have exited, um, so they probably made twenty to fifty percent, depending on when they sold. Exactly in that pop, immediately off of their money, and uh, they were negotiating constantly for no lockup period, which meant we're not—we don't have to stay for thirty days, we don't have to stay for seven days. We can sell as soon as we want with downside protection. What eventually happened is it then went up there and then went down about eighty-five percent from where it started. So this thing's chart looks like boop. And uh, I don't know how or why, but it's just like, oh, this is this was fishy and fucked up, and some people won the zero sum game, like they crushed it. Um, I could have been one of those people, but elected not to because that's not increasingly like I, I I don't want my influence via my money to support that kind of stuff. But it was just um. I was like, oh, I see the zero-sum game. I see that some people are playing with unfair rules, and they will win the zero-sum game. And I see that uh, people that perhaps bought it on the public market just got fucked. <laughs> you <laughs> you know never what I mean? had a shot. Never, like- never had a shot. And I don't want to be the person who's the sucker in the public market, but I'm not trying to be a shark either. It feels like this world has sharks and fishes, and the sharks eat the fishes, and uh, there are... Too many tempting opportunities of which I will continue to say no to and, and try to make myself say no to, to play zero-sum games and win because you have an unfair advantage. Um, and that sucks. I feel like so many people are playing those kinds of games. We talked about fake gurus. We talked about all that kind of stuff on the pod before. But uh, yeah, like I feel like a lot of crypto has proven to be this zero sum game. Now that's not to say if you're a big crypto fan, I believe in the technology of web3 will eventually revolutionize industries and have a dramatic impact and um, the ability to assign value for microtransactions in a locked in smart contract is could be really really interesting. But what it has been is just fraud and yeah. pyramid schemes and are people who are everyone seemingly understands this as well. They understand that there are sharks and minnows. And they, when there are rug pulls, while there is rage, there seems to also be an understanding of like, well, you were trying to swim with the sharks. You pretended that you were, we're just shark. trying to
1: be a fatter minnow.
0: Yes. They're like, I know everyone's going to get screwed here, but what if I got, what I if figured, I, yeah. What if I'm not the guy who gets screwed, yeah. who doesn't understand the technology, is not interested in the long term, wants to watch a line go up for not really contributing anything. And um, it does seem like not that I can control society, but the more that we get these people, the more of our brain power that we have in people exploiting zero-sum games, which a tremendous amount of finance, like the industry, can be, um, but also other industries are ripe for it as well, the worse the world becomes, the worse your economy becomes because there's not that creative impulse where one and one make three, where you're generating surplus from your work. You are just merely... Uh, distributing wealth differently based on who won the card game. Um, so yeah, it's uh, I, I got just a look inside the sausage machine from a from a you know being on the inside of it. You Want to put was, your hands like this now? I'm ready. <laughs> How do we make money off the Ukraine war? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to hang out with losers. So yeah, um, that was. That interesting. happened a while ago.
1: I thought is that just like now I it's just like played, it's no, no, no like it, played out. And it's kind of played out. It,
0: it went boop 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 boop. Bro. Like, and it's now got a long line going that way. And maybe it'll claw its way back up. But it was like, oh, like... So for the, uh, like, the company that wanted to get the money, Mm -hmm. why...
1: So they just needed an infusion of dollars? I
0: don't know what their incentive structure was. But it seems very clear that some people did well, and they understood the game, and they manipulated the game, and they offered terms to the people who would just get them to the threshold that they needed to get to, so that... That would have included me in order to meet their particular incentive structure. Yeah, yeah I wonder what And that then s- And then everyone else got screwed. Um, so, yeah, real shame, real bummer. I think there's a lot of that in the world. Um, another thing, which was, this is unrelated, hard pivot, unless you had anything that you wanted to share. I got stuff,
1: that. but um, let's go with your stuff.
0: Cool. Um, this is a personal thing, so I'm going to be all over the place. I have realized this came up um, through psychedelic journeys and other things that I've started to lock into but I think would be very useful for the audience is that I have always viewed myself, and it is true, as a person that is very comfortable saying no. I say no a lot. I'm a big fan of essentialism. I say no to projects. I get a ton of inbound requests for me to do things, cover this person, come on my podcast, do this thing. There's a lot of no's in my life, and I had thought that that meant that I was a person who was very comfortable with boundaries, saying no, controlling my energy space, et cetera. What I realized is that I think a more accurate view of me and probably other people is that a lot of my no's I am uncomfortable owning, so I make them structural no's. And what that means concretely is I don't look at emails to me. There is a policy of no, You know what I mean? There is a policy of, I'm not going to do this podcast. I'm not going to do this thing. And I can hide behind that because what is difficult for me to do would be to just look at an email and say, no, this doesn't feel right. You know what I mean? I need a policy. I need to say, no, I don't do podcasts. Or no, I don't take requests. Or no, I don't, um, you know, uh, go to fan events. And so when people ask me... Very little nuance in there. Well, I'm saying I hide behind policy. I hide behind objectivity. Um, And what I am realizing is that as I get older, there are increasingly times where what I haven't owned and where I have been trespassed are my subjective no's, which is I don't have a good reason, this just doesn't feel right, or I just don't want to. And that's it. I said yes last week to someone else in a similar position. I'm saying it this week. And I feel like this is people's how they engage with charity. Oftentimes, it can feel overwhelming the amount of inbound need and requests, and so you hide behind this policy of structural no. I don't hand out money on the street. I don't do that sort of thing. Rather, which is much hard, and that's I understand. You got to function in the world, and like policies are necessary. But what I am learning that I need to develop because I think it allows for much greater nuance and much greater. Um, cultivation of what I actually want in my life. For instance, if I was able to without being stressed out about it, which it does to a degree. Yeah, you know, you're stressing me
1: out by figuring it yeah, out yeah. that I can't drop my policies. Yeah, speaking, yeah, and I, like, if
0: I go, oh, crap, I dropped the policies. I have to feel
1: this one out each time? I do, feel I'm overwhelmed.
0: It, I do feel these. I take the ones that are right for me. I say no to some of them indiscriminately just because it doesn't feel right, and that's going to create in other people a feeling of you big-timed me. You didn't, oh, you did this, but you didn't include me in this. Um, why them but not me Yeah, and there's no policy that I can hide behind for that it's just it didn't feel right Um, and I'm learning and seeing that if I can develop that and I think people who are watching can develop not like stage one is yeah build some structural and policy knows and in fact that I think was probably it's a bit of advice that I gave at some point is like look you're going to get a ton of inbound just fucking put up a sign that says no trespassing (laughs) and that'll be how you handle it the problem is like I'm sure that there have been valuable opportunities, things that I haven't allowed myself to receive because the stress of sorting through this feels right, this doesn't feel right, I don't have a good reason to say no to this one, so I can't, I've just gone, I've stiff-armed the whole thing, has probably kept really things that I wanted to participate out. So I'm trying in my life, in my relationships. Sounds more personal than actual business. It's definitely personal. It's definitely personal. No, to... To own the no, that just doesn't feel right. Uh, I just don't want to. I don't want to with you. I don't want and and like which is a challenging thing to communicate. Yeah, yeah I did yesterday, but I don't want to today because you are there. Like yeah. and to, and to own that, and in a kind and loving way, not hide which I have behind. I don't do that thing. Um. Sounds
1: familiar Uh, like in college when people go out on like Thursday and I'd be like, yeah, I don't go out on Thursdays Mm -hmm. because I was tired of going out or tired of going out with this group of person. And I was like, yeah, well, we have the weekend and all this other stuff. I had uh, listed all my policies for a reason why I didn't want to go out with these group of people. Um, Policy is nice to hide behind Mm -hmm. and rather be like. I don't like hanging out with you Yeah, yeah, yeah. when it's just us on a Thursday, and but then, I
0: will on a Friday when everyone else is around. And Exactly. And then what happens is because you're not clear in that example with that person, they go, okay, I won't ask him on Thursdays, but yeah. on Tuesdays, now you've got to. And I've been in that situation where it's like, I told you it was a policy thing. You found a way, listening to me, to circumvent <laughs> that policy. You know, I don't read emails, but you found me on Instagram, you found me in person, and now... Here we are. I haven't owned the no and I'm doing the thing next thing I know I'm in a podcast or a thing or whatever in a relationship or whatever that I don't want to be in because I haven't owned the subjective no because I see that that is going to upset that particular person. Um, so I thought that that was interesting and uh, yeah, had to do better with that in my life and I think it'll create at first stressful situations for me but then also a much more sophisticated, nuanced cultivation of the types of people, opportunities that I want in my life that are best for me. Yeah, um, and also it's going to create a bunch of people who are upset, angry, and feel um, turned off by what it feels like, and in some cases is a personal rejection. Yeah. you know what I mean. Like, yeah, it, yeah. and it is in these cases, and I can't hide the fact that it's, it's no, this is personal. <laughs> this isn't just policy. Like, this is a personal. Thing that I'm rejecting I don't have to shove that In their face But I have to Recognize it in myself And communicate it At some level <laughs> And that's like Fucking Just thinking <laughs> about how
1: The breakups It was just like It's Not me, it's you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I want a relationship. I do. I do. (laughs) I'm really looking to commit, but your behavior. It's not my age, actually, (laughs) or anything. I just got out. Yeah, yeah. Hiding behind, I just got out of a relationship or hiding behind. Moving slow. Yes, exactly. And go, no, it's It's you. It's you. (laughs) And, you know, and and this is the other thing that I have, part of the reason I haven't done it is because I have thought and that that person would take my subjective. Rejection as an objective fact about them. So when I say you're not right for me, I know that that can be received as you're not enough, you're not a good person, nobody likes you, et cetera. And what I have to, what I am realizing is like, no, when I say no to this whatever business opportunity podcast individual, that is not the universe shutting them out of opportunity. Yeah. That is a singular me saying, no, just not with me, just not right now, not in this way. Do you think there's codependency in that? A hundred percent. Yeah. A trillion percent. That's what it
1: is. That is <laughs> the like, definition
0: of codependency. It's like is- you
1: put yourself in their world. You said a no and you're like thinking of all the ways they're hurt rather than like. Yes. And you'd rather not hurt them than experience the no. So you yes. have policies in which case, got it. What another layer. What another fun
0: layer. Yeah. I did, We did the codependency podcast weeks ago. It's still unfolding <laughs> and unraveling. <laughs> and... uh Yes, it is pure codependency because I believe what is happening is I am either correctly or or incorrectly intuiting that they will receive this as a, not just a subjective personal rejection, but as most people do when they say they feel rejected, as an objective, I am not good enough. So one girl says no to you to go on a date, you feel rejected by women, or girls, you know what I mean? And so that... Yeah, it seems like a very important learning for. Pe- like, Let
1: me ask: Have you been on the other side of that, and how do you take it? Because I'm wondering if that reality you made in your head. No, no, I is take it re- real,
0: or you take it as like, um, no, I on the other side of it, that is how I take it. I go, okay, this person, well, used to. I've shifted in this, but certainly when I was in high school, I was like, oh, this girl doesn't like me. That is, um, probably a feeling held by more than one girl. And therefore, but it it became and was for a long time a very empowering thing. It's like, what can I do to change, adjust my approach, et cetera? As I've gotten older, I've had to come back to that, you know, annoying fucking piece of advice that people would give you when you're in high school, which is like, it's yeah, you're just not right for each other. But as I've gotten older, I've sunk into, yeah, there's gonna be subjective no's in your life. Yeah. My other piece of advice I hated hearing in high school is like,
1: high school doesn't matter. It's
0: <laughs> like you don't understand. <laughs> It's the most important time of your life. Which is funny because I don't know that anything has mattered as much as that's that. That's what I thought
1: yeah. mattered in high school. It's the worst piece of advice yeah. I've ever gotten. Yeah. That's interesting. So it is, there is truth. And when you're saying you're no, you're basically <sighs> destroying their entire universe. Um,
0: which is a... Which is perhaps a projection, perhaps an accurate understanding of how they're going to receive it. But in either case, what I'm not holding is, that's not what I said. Yeah. That's not what I mean. That's not how I am intending this to be received or or even feel it. Me saying no to you does not mean I'm going to go uh, bad mouth you to every other person that you've invited on the podcast or whatever. Yeah. It just means not with me, not right now. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yes. Um, another thing, I probably should have done this connected. I'm sorry for the jumping around. Um, this is one of the ways in which it came up with me is these investing opportunities and things that have come to me. Can we go back to the matrix? Can go back to the matrix. <laughs> Um that I I guess this is somewhat unrelated. There's been a number of opportunities um, that have come to me, public markets and private, where something doesn't add up. And I ask questions, I say, why doesn't this add up? And I would receive back um language that I quite frankly didn't understand. You know what I mean? Is like this this I don't feel my question is answered, but I now what I feel is out of my depth and silly. You know what I mean? Like, I asked a question about, why would you offer it to me at this price if you just offered it to that guy at a worse rate? You know, like, why? And then there's all these reasons, 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 which I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. And what I have done sometimes in those situations is deny my gut instinct of, like, something is fishy and go, oh, I'm a newbie in this field. Yes. Um, a similar thing happened early in our business many times where one of the first ever contracts Ben and I had was for a parkour guy who was going to make a DVD for us. And we were going to send him the footage, and he wanted all of the money up front in a contract. You know, he wanted the $3,000 up front. And when we said, like, hey, are you sure this is how it's done? He was, like, insistent yes, and he sent the contract. And what I felt in that moment was really dumb, really out of my depth, not understanding, but also a degree of fishiness, which I pushed aside. Like, and just ignored him as ready to send. Luckily, Ben does not have that same thing that I had. he was like, no fucking way. Are we going to send this guy money? Uh, And I, of course, learned as I entered the business world, that is not how you do it. You don't pay up front for this stuff. He sends you it with a watermark or whatever, and then you give him the money when it's up to snuff. And I'm sure that guy was going to run off with our money. I'm 100% that that guy was going to run off with the money. But that there has been this lesson, which I am uh, becoming conscious of, that I've learned in some ways that I'm trying to reinforce in that, I, and I think people actually have solid instincts that can get steamrolled by the fast talking words of other people that make you feel as if you're an outsider, Mm. that make you feel as if your foundational question is too naive for this industry. Um, And of course, there's not a perfect heuristic of when to employ that, but I am seeing that Again, the first part of my life was be like, you have an instinct to do this thing? That instinct is wrong. <laughs> like, Your throw it out. or their instinct? My instinct. Like, oh, you want to, and again, a lot of the instincts are dumb. It's like, you want to, um, you know, you're talking to a girl and immediately just tell her how much you love her and, like, tell her that you've been f- thinking about her and you see a future with her where you guys have a wife and you guys are in 11th grade, but you know that you go to, <laughs> like, put that instinct aside. Yeah. That is not it. And there were a lot of bad instincts. And so I was like, okay, throw out. A lot of these poorly, you know, societally uh, induced from movies instincts that you have about how to function in the world. Yeah. And I think this is just a natural thing as you get older. Uh, I'm recovering some of the instincts that are, have served me. I have thrown the baby out with the bathwater and one of them is this gut sense of this isn't right. This doesn't make sense uh, why is this offer finding its way to me this amazing opportunity that's the other thing every once in a lifetime opportunity that I've ever received has been a scam <laughs> not just not not just not the opportunity it was pitched as but a scam yeah and and that feeling of pressure to participate in that thing which I have I would say I'm like 90 percent or 95 I say no but on the five percent where fomo kicks in, it's just, it's always regrettable. Yeah. I've never rushed to a payment that I was super fucking happy with. Um, yeah, no way. Yeah,
1: it's interesting. When, no, that's not
0: true. I've never rushed to a payment that I felt pressured or, fo- you know what I mean? But I, there are payments where I've gone, oh, absolutely, and I've rushed to, like, I want that. I'm clear. That's my thing. Um. So, yeah.
1: It gets mixed up, though, because I believe in a world where people are smarter than me. And so, to get someone who's so high conviction talking to me about finances and the way the world works is, like, of course, like, Uh, Warren Buffett knows more than me when it comes to finances and if he were to speak to me for an hour and I weren't to take any advice, I'd be an idiot. Mm -hmm. Um, And trusted for a long period of my life that uh, people older than me knew more. And then it's coming back full circle now, which is like they can know more and I don't have to trust everything they do and accept uh, their way of being, which is like you mentioned in the finance Part of your story earlier, which is that you had a bad intuition mm-hmm. and it's like, don't see any value cre- being created because you believe in a world that value has to be created in order to make money and like this didn't match up. So you were trying to figure out incentive structures where, hey, what's it do for the company? It just makes mm-hmm. this magical number, doesn't make them make more products so they can mm-hmm. get it. You're like, what Then why?
0: Yeah. Um, well, Warren Buffett is an interesting example for you to pick because I imagine if you listen to him, you would feel your instincts deeply confirmed. Or I don't mm. know what your instincts are, but like if you listen to Warren Buffett, it's so fucking boring. Pick good companies. Pick a that, financier you know of <laughs> like,
1: BlackRock who buys uh, like a big fine. That's what I, I'm thinking mm-hmm. is somebody who just knows markets and stuff, rather than that Warren Buffett guy who's like invest in companies like Coca Cola and hold them gonna, forever. Hold, I agree with that sentiment. Uh-huh. That hits my intuition as, like that makes sense. Mm-hmm. What I wouldn't get is like. Um, some of the finance jargon I've heard, I just get lost as well. And I'm like, but you're doing well. So I assume because of your success in the world that you know something I don't. And so upon recommendation, haven't got a lot of these come <laughs> into my door. So, uh, Well,
0: with the, I think that not all, certainly not all, but there's a tremendous amount of finance that are zero-sum games played by bankers and lawyers mm. that you know, most M&A acquisitions destroy value. Doesn't not for the banks though. Banks, don't know what that acronym is. Mergers and acquisitions. See, yeah, you just did it at me. <laughs> you just did it at me, and now I'm now you're going to invest in my product. I, I don't. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, most most of those, you know, we're going to join these things to businesses together. They make money for the lawyers. They make money for the banks, mm. and they destroy value for the shareholder or the whatever. Now the CEOs might do well, but yeah, there's a tremendous amount of uh, misaligned incentives in these these big things. Um, but moving along, this one I don't have a ton, but for some reason it stuck out to me, I saw on Reddit, there was a video from uh, a guy using an NVIDIA AI product, which was this eye tracking thing, that as I look over here, it could have me looking up at the camera, and so right now it's a little bit creepy, because no matter where my head would turn, my eyes would just like never break from the camera, but it's, just increasingly I no it turned his face too it turned it didn't turn his face he st- he was like No, this. he turned his face but his eyes tracked it was his eyeballs tracked like, at the camera okay yeah, so he was like looking at his phone and it was like someone's looking at the phone, but they're doing this uh. so like he's reading his phone and it looked like this uh and so it's like this is gonna be great for zoom calls this is gonna be great for all these things what it I am not, I'm not, I don't want to be a Luddite. A Luddite is someone who just like shuns technology. It's so strange for me that so many of the skills that I worked on developing, another thing by Descript, is this program that as I would be speaking to you right now, it can take everything and go speech to text and it can show you a paragraph of what I've said and it will include the ums and you can control F all ums delete. And you could have the entire podcast that I just did without my likes, um, stutters, whatever. So you're going to be able to edit video, not in the very challenging way that we currently have to do, which is visually finding the spot, cutting it, but like you edit a text document. And it works. (laughs) It sounds really good. Wow. Our other friend was here. This one's interesting. This one is crazy. He's got a YouTube channel. He was running late. He didn't get to shoot some things. And he needed a couple of lines to, like, add to the intro and conclusion. So his team back home had already put his name into the same... I think it's by his voice. His voice had already been input into this. They put a bunch of his videos, ran him through this thing, and they're like, okay, we need you saying da-da-da-da-da-da-da. They just got him saying the lines that they needed. Yes. And so... No, he was on a flight. Yeah. And they used the
1: program to get his exact voice mm-hmm. plus B-roll on top of it to yeah. do the intro,
0: which is just like, holy moly. Yeah. And I am wondering... I have I have to think through this a bit more clearly, and I, there's far smarter people than I. This seems to be a an agreement that the space left for humans in this next wave of AI is in the Q and A, the quality Q and A, QA, quality assurance phase. But all the things that I have worked on and succeeded at to some degree or another, trying to remove my ums, trying to, to make better eye contact when I would do my talking head things, all of that is just gone, <laughs> and what is left is. Taste yeah. is is one of the few things that's less because AI is going to spit out a thousand different versions of it, and if you can have good taste, that is what matters. Yep. uh The bar to entry to make really incredible
1: stuff is going to be lower. Mm-hmm. So I think about the D and D campaign and like how difficult it's been for you to get like. First, we started thirty drawings. seconds of three D. Then we yeah. started at like three D models, and now you're getting full like the guys are dancing and twerking, like they yeah, can yeah. do all sorts of uh, crazy motions. And that sped up is going to have. Like, should throw sp- one of those into the. I should th- think. Okay, yeah. <laughs> we'll put it in the link. Um, that sped up in five years, like that five years before would have cost you millions of dollars to uh-huh. get a studio to do the amount you're doing now. Now it's within uh, still a large amount of money, yeah. but five, 10 years from now, it's going to be like some kid who's like, make me a character that walks into this room, stabs this guy in the head yeah. and then runs out and a crowd chases him. And yeah. it's instantly going to provide it. And now you're right. It's going to be.
0: So what stories in a world where there are bazillions of stories, all demanding your attention. And Alex Ramose has said this attention is the oil of the 21st century. How do you capture attention? Uh, it's, Reputation becomes so incredibly important. Being someone or the station, the channel, the person that a group of people can trust to reliably select the piece of content that they want, that could be an algorithm like TikTok, it can be a critic like Roger Ebert, you know, that is such a powerful position to hold when everything is available beyond the internet, like so far beyond what we've experienced up until now, full-length movies, animated shows, etc., being able to say, you know, all of these have incredible uh, production value. Yes. Which of these is worth your time? Yeah. So incredibly powerful. Um, And I haven't really figured out how I fit into that. Maybe I got to start a movie review channel. (laughs) Uh, Well,
1: we can go into this. I thought what was interesting was The Last of Us which we watched yeah. too. Do you have anything down on this? Because I can do a little bit. I, d-
0: I just really liked it.
1: Yeah, Last of Us is really good. It's a video game that came out in 2013 by Naughty Dog Studios. It's a post-apocalyptic world where a guy is living with a virus much like uh, I Am Legend, like the zombies. Walking dead, Walking zombies, dead. yeah. Um, it had its adaptation on HBO. It opened as the second biggest of all time. Did it really? Or second biggest since 2010. Obviously, number one, House of Dragons. Uh Uh-huh. This is number two. And then, like, right behind, in front of Boardwalk Empire, like Mm. the season finale, four million-plus people watched it. Mm. Um, The thing I thought was really interesting was it was a video game first, and you said this, like, a number of times, which was, like, video games are going to have their time in the sun, like, IP with Marvel Mm -hmm. going to movies. Video games, like, this was a major success. And the same video game studio, I'm going to see if I can get him on the podcast, he also did Uncharted, he mm-hmm. did uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Same same Studio, which is like, they made a story. They made the difficult storyline of making it a video game. And now if you watch The Last of Us, it's a lot of scene by scene. He's like, Char- Uncharted had scenes where they, general storyline and characters. Mm-hmm. This was like...
0: Shot for shot. Shot for shot, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, and it works. What do you know? Everyone who played the game, played <laughs> the people, also liked the show. And yeah. It's just like the easiest win but also all the work hard work was done
0: up front Mm -hmm. um god of war is next up man now that one is way harder because this one is a it's got zombies but it really it's a character drama god of war has you know two main characters in atreus and kratos but it's it's a lot of big budget fight scenes is the attraction of god of war but yeah, man. Uh, video game studios, authors, obviously, comic books have done it. All of these people are, are going to be billionaires uh, when they start when they start distributing their IP to a wider audience, other than just the which is growing. But it, it started as this narrow range of like super techie nerds that played it, and then it became a wider range of men that would play it. It's expanding to women, and now as people get older, adults, and it's going to be everybody on these uh, different platforms, and they come they're really good, man. (laughs) These kids, they're like, it's a really, really, really good show. Um, I was shocked. I'd never played the game. And so for me, it was exciting to, to watch it unfold. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: similar to just the last thread was the D and D. They played D and D for a while. They built up an audience and then upon selling it to Amazon, it was like a hit success. What do you know? Everyone that was along for the ride also joined the ride for the TV series part. Um, so, like, get on d d our show now, guys. Yeah. It's Buy, the be- <laughs> Buy the NFTs.
0: Buy the NFTs. I'll try to, let's make sure that we put up just some of stuff. the stuff. The last thing on this, which is a bit, I acknowledge, repetitive, but we are spending a tremendous amount of time, effort, and, uh, for me, money, on these 3D graphics, which I fully anticipate within, I don't know, two years, three years, will be, like, way closer to you type in a prompt as you do ChatGBT3, and you get, the quality that we're making but what is we're in this inter we're in this intermediate phase where it's like a group of small talented people can use these engines and make them but it's still effort with which is within my grasp but not necessarily within the grasp of somebody who's just starting um from zero but we're working on it
1: what else you got got a bunch uh i was gonna say creating boundaries in life but you did a really good job with it the, the no mm-hmm. um well, do you have any thoughts on, like, uh, Logan Paul's 2020 uh, thank you video? I have, like, just just a funny... I know. The way he closed it out was really interesting, which his last message after all the cool shit he's done over the years, yeah. including this big scandal that we talked about with the crypto zoo, was that the importance of your inner circle... Yeah. ...and there being honesty, I <laughs> what. <laughs> I just was like... <laughs> At the same time, there's like uh, fake reports that George Janko got got kicked off yeah, the yeah, podcast, yeah, yeah, yeah. and like he was—that's not real, though. I know it's not real. Um, but just that didn't seem like people were being real honest in a circle with those three. I'm sorry, videos that came out.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you my take. Um, he made a video why 2022 was the best year of my life. Yeah. Um, he's remarkable. He really is. He's a phenomenal athlete. Yeah. He's a workhorse. He is, he shines under the spotlight. Yeah. You put a crowd there and he does well with that type of pressure. Yeah. Um, and he's going to be just continually successful. It's so clear. Yeah. Given the way that he is driven. Yeah. And I admire, I admire the um, size, scope, et cetera, of, of those things. Uh, he also, in my opinion, has misconceptions given his success about who he is, which is funny because this is what happens in your 20s. You do learn things, and you're, but you, you assume you're there. And he's like, I really got to know myself this year. And what was clear to me, was like, oh, dude, you're still missing a huge chunk. The things that, I, that stood out to me is like I created this, uh, a sports drink. And he kept referring to him. It's like he created prime. He created prime. My understanding of it is that he did not create prime. Like, he is a high-equity-holding spokesperson for Prime that has driven a tremendous amount of market adoption. But, like, if he were in charge of the operations, formulation, formulation, etc., and building that team, it would have gone the way of CryptoZoo, which is (gasps) like, you know, that is... That is what would have happened. Um, you were, I believe, invited into this pre-existing thing. I that's correct. And so the misunderstanding about what you created versus what you proselytized, marketed, is um, the... It's funny. If he had been able to see where he was truly best in the world and where he is clearly not, CryptoZoo wouldn't have happened. Like, it wouldn't have gone the way that it did because the recognition of his own limitations...
1: Would have, would have
0: stopped him from doing it or would have made him approach it with much more caution or something. Um, it was also funny, you know, I was tone deaf a bit to release right after this whole cryptos. You think about how well his other NFT project <laughs> is did and how exciting it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then the last piece of... You said it. Uh, I had to turn it off. I was like, okay, no more. I, there were multiple times... I made times. Charlie watch it. I was, I was like, like, I can't. I can't, dude. The... um. Yeah. The importance of honesty in your circle is, I think this is a tension that everyone has, is you of course want to be around people that share your beliefs, values, etc. And you don't want to be around people that second guess and shoot you down and tell you that you're not a good person or whatever. Um, The, if it is possible that his circle is honest with him, but then what that means is that he has cultivated, he has excluded the people that tell him the truths that he doesn't want to hear. You know what I mean? Like, so it's it's very possible that everyone in his circle tells him their how they're feeling about things at the time. Just
1: couldn't ever get in. That but circle. but
0: what happened is, and I I thought of this, you know. Uh, to be clear, I've like enjoyed a lot of his content on Impulsive. There used to be this guy who was like kind of the spiritual one, and he was like just more grounded and connected to that aspect of life. And he left. He went to Hawaii. (laughs) He didn't want to be in LA and with us. It's like, yeah, the way that you are will magnetize and repel people with messages that are, one, just have nothing to do with you, but also some of the messages that you most need to receive, you're going to repel. And this is true of my life as well. Like the things, I I feel this. I feel um, it's more obvious when I feel like the person who could deliver message that somebody else needs to hear and I've had a number of interactions in my life where I've caught someone right as they are about to go into a deeply materialistic phase of their life they are like figuring out what to do I'm sitting there at the table with them and I mention some of the work that I've done and you know the impact that not solving being honest about how my relationship with my dad has forged me as a person and the ways in which there was trauma there, and the reactivity to that, and how the healing of that has shifted me. And I was in a conversation where a guy's like, dude, I'm literally having goosebumps right now. Uh, I said, why? He said, what you said about your dad just is f- freaking me out. I said, you know, you, you can look into this too. Didn't hear back for, you know, he said in the conversation, I, really want I definitely to. want to, I'm definitely, oh my God, this is crazy, separated. Didn't hear back, and he went off into a deeply materialistic phase of yeah. his life, which was a pursuit of uh, everything but the foundational cause of why he needed all of these other things. And uh, it is, it is interesting. And I, like I said, I know that I do the same thing. I'm sure that there's been someone standing next to me at various points of my life, let Jesus into your life. That that's <laughs> the guy on the street with the sign. <laughs> yeah, he's it's been the guy screaming you. on the Santa Monica.
1: <laughs> he's told you. <laughs>
0: Damn it, dude!
1: That walk—he had
0: that thing, yeah. The wages of sin, yeah, yeah. That guy, he was there. You didn't listen to him. I shut him out like a fool. Yes, Um, (laughs) (laughs) no, I'm sure. And I, and it's hard, tougher to see in my own life. But yeah, there's been that person right there, and my people have clearly their own. I'm, I, I used to believe deeply in persuasion. I, you know, own a business called Charisma on Command. I think persuasion is an interesting and powerful thing. I am also seeing that there are like, there are lessons people are insisting that they have to learn the way they're going to learn it. There's lessons I had to learn the way I was going to learn it. Yeah, I'm and confident
1: the universe will teach them. Yeah,
0: I'm yeah, I'm becoming more confident. I used to think I had to teach everybody, and so now I'm I'm letting go. Um, it's okay, but go ahead. No, I agree. Yeah. Totes, totes. <laughs> what else you got?
1: Um, if you want to go into uh, anything about Coffeezilla, as you watched his. Behind the paywall, guys. Charlie got in there behind the paywall and watched his thirty-five minute video on his each response. I don't think there's a ton from what I saw. He just answered every single objection.
0: Oh, all I would say, so CoffeeZilla, one, there were two things. Um, one, I'll I'll do it for him. I I sense in the sorry, let's pull back. I I ran through. Yeah, I'll do it. Coffeezilla makes really good videos. Um, he has a Patreon. And he, in this Logan Paul saga, made a 30 minute video responding to Logan's initial Two. things. Two. Fully produced video responding to Logan's CoffeeZillas and Nat, all this kind of stuff. He elected not to release it because he, that Logan then sort of backpedaled and he's like, if I release this that just sort of points the finger back at him, he might shut down. And if I don't release it, there's a chance that victims will get more money. Yeah. So he withheld it, put it on his Patreon. The first thing is that um, I sense in that community and him a discomfort with saying, yo, go to my Patreon. Check this out. There is a 30-minute highly produced video that is really good. It is. <laughs> it's it's as good as the other videos on his YouTube. And it's 30 For five bucks a month, it's 30 minutes long. I don't know what else is going to be on there. But it's interesting because I think that what can happen is when you are making videos for an audience, and I actually don't know that this reflects his belief, but when the audience will go, you promoted, you had an advertiser, that's a scam. You did this, it's a scam. There can be a fear around doing anything that triggers that hairline response, that hair trigger response of, this is a, a scam. So I have felt him very briefly, it's on Patreon, you can check it out if you want, and I see a which my friend actually said after, I didn't sign up for it initially. Like, I, th- I, they didn't even register in my head as something to do. And it was only when my friend, after the video, was like, dude, he clearly is, like, withholding telling people to go to Patreon because he feels uncomfortable about it or, like, it wouldn't be right or it would be too pushy. He was like, oh, damn, I wish he would have because then I would have signed up. And if you weren't sitting next to me, I you never would have signed you. up. And yep. I'm glad that I signed up. And so it's, it is it is interesting that I, you know, if, if I do get a chance to speak with him... There is an aversion. There's an aversion to selling. And it's like, bro, selling is a hammer. It is neither good nor evil. If you if well, I think it's not that's perhaps not the right metaphor. If you approach an individual and with the honest question, is what I have to offer right for them? And how can I help them to better make that decision? That is a like kind helpful considerate act that we want more of on the planet not less. Yeah. We want more. Yeah. And if you approach it from how can I extract as much value from this individual? What words do I need to say and what how little can I offer them to get as much as I can, then you're harming people and selling is bad. But there seems to be this like lack of nuance around what selling or offering or describing or saying you should or even extending yourself as a recommendation to something where you receive money back. Um, I know that I felt that in my life and um, it it came through in that video. So uh, the only other thing that I thought about that was I thought it was admirable that he made a full-length video and holstered it uh, to, I think, accurately – not like uh, give logan paul the space to tr- to try to redeem himself by potentially making more whole some of the investors in in cryptozoo. Yeah, um, well done. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, that's that's very admirable." Yeah. Um So
1: yeah. Uh I'm not even say it. Mud wizard.
0: <laughs> What's that?
1: Mud wizard. <laughs> mud wizard. No, we don't need to talk about mud. Wizard. Uh, and then go uh, go Google mud wizard. You'll it's
0: it's uh, pretty excellent.
1: Okay. <laughs> uh, this whole Steve uh, Stephen Crowder situation.
0: Okay. Yeah, I don't know that I have too much to add to this. Like the background for people watching is um Stephen Crowder is a conservative pundit. Uh, Daily Wire is becoming a conservative powerhouse. With uh, they they cut a big deal with Jordan and Michaela Peterson. It's I I don't know what Ben Shapiro's place in it is, but he's like
1: in the Daily Wire. Yeah, is, I is think it, he's co-founder.
0: Is he co-founder? Yeah, yeah. So he's he's big on it. Um, and it's like an alternate, uh, conservative news media thing. They've even made some movies. Stephen Crowder, um, just left the Blaze, and apparently the Daily Wire had been in talks with him to join. He. This is now, um, they're each telling different stories, but the consensus amongst the people on YouTube analyzing it and what I sort of got from watching him talk as well is that they offered him a contract that he didn't like and uh, he then started preparing, it looks like, to, I think this is unconscious, um, gain a lot of followers, money, clout, whatever he wanted and move to the number one top dog position uh, by recording a phone call of the thing trying to say that these guys are uh in the pocket of big tech and you know on this on the side of youtube whereas he's the true rebel and, and it's uh them it's so unfortunate because i think this is what happens is like I, I do think this is deeply unconscious in him he would i don't he could pass a lie detector that this is not his intention i think it is his intention unconsciously yeah <laughs> um the when movements get big, this is what happens, is like there's a sense, there's resentments, the guy at the top shouldn't be there, I've done more, this isn't right, you're supposed to do it my way, whatever, and there's an opportunity to become top dog by fracturing it. I don't care what happens with the YouTube conservative movement, doesn't matter to me, but it was just very interesting to watch that in real time, this like mitosis, um, which... I don't know how well it's going to go for either party it, um but it does seem like I uh, I have to go deeper into it a study on how yeah those resentments and not getting what you want and the the guy who came first getting to do it his way pissing off him the other thing that is weird is that there's this strange like anti-capitalist sentiment that is running through some of crowder's logic which is like the wrong place you're not allowed to have the business model and then you like you offering me a contract and now I've got to expose it it's just like bro you could have just said no yes you could have just not done it you could have just done your own thing you could have like the amount well, of contracts back- that I've said no to and not made a YouTube video about is all of them Uh, so uh, it's goes back I think it, you would have to believe you'd have to believe that this was a wildly exploitative contract. Um, for him to do that and i don't think my my opinion is like it doesn't really pass muster you cannot like the terms but like just doesn't make sense to me it does make sense to me it doesn't if if his explanation does not make sense to me
1: his his behavior makes sense if you think that he's trying to get enough jet fuel and has a bunch of resentment for what they offered him Mm -hmm. makes sense for what he's doing which is he started another website and trying to get People over to his new platform, right? Yeah,
0: I wanted. To, you know, there was an interesting thing which um, I don't know the guy. What, okay, um, intuition. I've made a video about him. I'll tell you. This is uh, going out on a limb here. He seems angry. <laughs> he seems like he carries anger. What is interesting is that he had um i followed just via those little youtube snippets he had like this really he had a severe health complication i don't know exactly what it was but there was issues where he like couldn't take a deep breath for years he was like physically incapable of taking a deep breath because of this health complication they he had that was extremely dangerous he had multiple surgeries it was like wow. yeah and it's um i don't know which came first the underlying anger Bravado, which is like to me, barely shielded by a veneer of comedy, uh, or if the like, did the deep breaths cause that? Did the anger cause the physical manifestation of that? I just saw that in him. I was like, oh, that feels connected. That feels that would make me angry, or I could imagine anger causing me to never take yeah. a deep breath in in my life as well. Um, yeah, and so that that is how i experience him that's i don't have a ton of thoughts other than it seems like uh it seems like the general consensus which i haven't gone deep in is that the daily wire has made a contract offer and he's behaving in a very cynical selfish unconscious way yeah um, and we'll
1: see how it plays out cuz he seems to want to use it to get people over his platform and mm-hmm. if that's what he goes with and it works then we'll know
0: um, all right, guys, we're going to hop over to Patreon. As we have in the past, honestly, somebody said that this, uh, that last Patreon was the best business advice that they've heard. Um, I go, which is like very flattering, seems a little crazy, but I do go specific, and last time I went pretty deep on um, some business stuff. So if that's of interest to you, check that out. We also answer the best questions that we've gotten, and I think it's, uh, it's a format that people are really enjoying. So if you want to support the podcast and get extra content, you should go to our Patreon. I actually think it's getting um, quite good. So I hope that you enjoy it. Thank you, guys. Appreciate y'all. Peace.